at my, in my high school team, the varsity people got like unis and, and hats and I wanted the hat so badly. And like our, one of the coaches told me that if I went under eight minutes on my 2K when I was a novice that I could get a hat. And so I like, yeah, 7.59, I got the hat. I'm imagining in Christy's house, she just has like a closet of hats. <laughs> She's just been chasing those hats ever since. Yeah, that's why I haven't gone under 6.30 because no one offered me a hat again. Welcome to The Other Three Years, a show for anyone who has an Olympic-sized dream they want to turn into a reality. Hi, and welcome to this week's episode of The Other Three Years. This week, I have some of my national team teammates from the Princeton Training Center, aka Women in the Boat, on the podcast. So Kelsey, Maddie, and Molly all raced in the women's four at the second world cup in Varese that we were all just at last week. And they literally won. They are amazing, beautiful, strong champions. And they were definitely the highlight of our team's uh, campaign. So really cool and really exciting to have them on this week. Um, and they're all just amazing superstars who I've admired for a while. And now I'm grateful and happy to call them my friends. So they came on and we talked about what brought them into rowing, um, whether they started, you know, in high school or college and then how they got into elite rowing. And after we talked about all that serious stuff, <laughs> um, we talked about their fun Instagram account, women in the boat and, they run a Would You Rather Wednesday on there. So I turned the tables on them and we ended by playing a fun Would You Rather game. But before we share that that conversation, here is an update on what's currently going on in my training. So I'm back in Saratoga. I've been here for a week now and it's just so nice. It's so great to be home. I love being here. I love rowing here. It's really great to be at camp, but it's just so nice to be home in my own routines, doing my own thing. I really love like every aspect of it. I love rowing on Saratoga Lake and Fish Creek. It's like, I don't know. It's just the perfect body of water. And I've, I've rowed so many places and I don't know. I mean, I'm biased, but this one is just that that much better. Um, I've gotten to see a lot of my teammates while I've been here because last week, some of my teammates that are going to the um, second selection camp, which actually just started yesterday in New Jersey, they were still here last week. So I got to see them. And then some of my other teammates were in the Netherlands last week racing at this race called the Holland Becker, um, which they did great at. They, some, two of them came in third in the double on Saturday and then four of them, uh, won the quad on Sunday. So they, they crushed it. Super happy for them. Um, but now they're back. So I got to see all of them. And then some of my other teammates are, have been here. Um, and we have some guests, so it's it's been fun. It hasn't been a massive group, which is kind of nice. Um, and we've just been kind of going out in singles. And and last week was a little bit of a down week, so getting back into more serious training this week. Yesterday morning, 
we went out and did our first like real workout um, since racing at the World Cup and it was so hot and muggy and I was just in my little single like, I'm gonna die, <laughs> this is so hard. Um, but I survived as, as per usual when you think it's not gonna, not gonna end well and then it, it's just fine. Um, but it's been really nice going for bike rides and runs and just getting to enjoy training. Not that I don't enjoy it, but it's nice to have a little bit of a break every once in a while. And it's also been really nice to get to hang out with Chris, get to see my friends and my family. Um, we kind of last minute decided to go to a cousin's wedding this weekend, which was really it was a lot of effort, but it was really nice. And it was really nice to see a lot of my family members. And I don't know, it's, it's nice when you can be there for people. I feel like people are always there for me. And so I really, when I can make it to things, I like to do it. Even if it's, even if it's a lot, um, you know, I feel like in the end you remember like making it and going to the wedding, not the like crazy travel that it took to get there. So, um, yeah, we we had we had a fun weekend of of going to going to that wedding and now we're back and just enjoying the training. At the end of this week I'm gonna go down to Princeton, um, where I will probably be for most of the rest of the summer. Um and yeah, do some good rowing down there. So um yeah, it's we're still in a little bit of a of a down period, which is nice, but it's about to gear back up. It's slowly gearing right back up. And honestly, I'm excited. I'm excited about all the work to do. I'm excited. I feel like the rest was really necessary, but now I I feel pumped, ready to go, ready to get faster, get better, do everything we need to do to put our best foot forward at the world championships in a couple months. Now it is time for the main event, my conversation with three of the women in the boat. And there are many more, and they are also amazing, wonderful individuals. Um, but this time I had Kelsey, Maddie, and Molly on, and they just, they're all really accomplished, really successful, but also I think really good people. And have their heads on straight. None of them have had, you know, they've all had adversity. They've all had things that have knocked them down. And I think that's just what, what really makes a champion is, is not really what you do when things are going well, but what you do when things aren't and, and your ability to kind of get back up and brush yourself off and come back better and stronger than you were before. And these three have all definitely done that. I've, I've been so impressed by them, you know, over the years and this year as well. So I think that they have a lot of great things to say and they're just great people all around. So I, I, uh, it was a fun conversation. I'm, I'm excited for everyone to hear it. And they, they had some fun answers for the would you rathers. I, I don't know. Uh, I don't know. Some of them were hard. I was, I was happy that I was on the asking end rather than the answering end. Um, so I thought that the first thing that we could do is everyone could just introduce themselves, whatever you want to say, let it flow. Maddie, would you like to begin? Sure. My name is Maddie Wanamaker. 
I am from Wisconsin. I went to University of Wisconsin and I started running for the national team, the senior team in 2017, did a couple years of under 23s. Um, and I've rode primarily the four since then and rode the pair last year. Um, won a world championship, went to the Olympics, and then last week, uh, I guess I speak for all of us, but we won a four, won a gold medal in the four in World Woo! Cup too. I'm Molly Bruggeman. I grew up in Ohio, and I, I'm just going to match Maddie here on this, and I went to the University of Notre Dame. Um, I'm older. I started rowing with the senior team in 2014 after graduating. And before that, I also did a couple E23 teams. I was in the 2018 four with Maddie that won a world championship. And I was a spare in Tokyo. And also I I spent a year coaching at Minnesota before coming back and rowing again with these lovely people. Yay. Yay. Um, my name is Kelsey Relick. Uh, I um, grew up in Connecticut, um, went to Princeton University, graduated in 2014. Um, I came to the Princeton Training Center in, I think it was, it was early or late 2017, early 2018. Um, and last summer was my first senior team in the eight. And um, yes, I'm currently in this four that just won gold awesome i know all these champions champions among among me i thought that uh we could just start with some questions about how you guys got into rowing um and because kelsey you rode in high school right uh yeah yeah very i was compared to the other girls on my uh my team of like 13, 14 year olds, I was fast on the erg. Um, I remember going, we were doing, we did a 500 meter piece and I think I went like 218 and I was, it was so fast. Yeah. Yes. Um, so I really liked, I liked that. Um, I just was, I was competitive and I liked winning and I liked feeling fast and, and honestly I liked feeling feeling better than my, than my teammates. Um, but, uh, since then, I think it's, it's changed a lot. Um, f for me, um, obviously I'm not as good on the erg anymore. Um, I can still go two 18 for a 500 meter piece. But, um, you know, I think college really was the time when I, I learned that it was, you know, rowing an eight, obviously at Princeton, it's so good to win, but it's so good to win with people. Um, and it's, uh, that's, you know, you still, I still feel that, um, I, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's a, a kind of a shared feeling of winning together. That's like a lot more fun than, um, than beating a bunch of 13 year olds on a 500 meter piece. So. But originally that was why I really liked it. Yeah. I feel like it's funny because now like I rode in high school too but now so many people like you know start in college and I think a lot about how I can't really imagine like going to college not expecting 
like I feel like I had to be so mentally prepared for what college rowing was and I can't really imagine just like jumping in and I just find it so impressive I'm like wow that's crazy um so like but you guys both started in college right um so what like Molly I thought I thought you didn't you start at Dayton I started in high school. Oh, you did start. In sorry. High school. Oh, you did. Oh, sorry. So, okay, Maddie, you're our you're our one uh, you're our one person. So you can tell us like what what like drew you to rowing, and then was it what you expected it to be, or like what were the biggest you know surprises maybe? Yeah, I feel like because my parents rode at Wisconsin back in the day. So I had like kind of a, I like knew what the sport was growing up and had kind of been around our like local boathouse a little bit. So I, I wasn't like a total, didn't have like any background. Um, but I think that it was really attractive to like go to school and already have kind of a team that you could be involved in. And I think what I liked the most, I think that originally because, you know, you, like, have a lot of recruits who actually know how to row. And I feel like I was super frustrated in the beating because I was like, I'm a better athlete. Like, why? Like, you're beating me by so much. I just don't understand, like, how this is. Um, and so I feel like the original, like, draw was kind of, like, having somewhere to go every day. And, like, if you're, you know, like, not showing up to class, people are going to, like, no one's going to notice at a giant state school like Wisconsin, like, if you're not where you're supposed to be, like, you could just stay in bed all day, and no one would notice, but I feel like having rowing, like, made me really accountable, and most of my teammates were also walk-on, so we were all kind of in the same boat, we're like, was that good? I don't know, do you think that was good? Like, the competition, like, it, it is fun to, like, you know, start getting better, and, like, start beating people, um, and being a lot of bunch bunch of big tall girls too I was like yes my people I don't feel like I'm a giant person anymore I'm like finally look like everyone else I'm around so that was also great I do think there's a bit of a like you know where wherever you start um you know whether it's high school or college there is something so nice about how you're always improving you know like you get on the erg you get on the erg six months after just like you know, first beginning and you've dropped 30 seconds on your 2k or whatever, you know, and it's, you're just like learning so much, the kind of the, the jumps that you make are so great that it's very, it makes it very fun. Um, what was everybody's first 2k? Do you remember? <laughs> I think it was an 840 something. I think it was something in the 720s. I think it was sub 730. Oh my God. <gasps> yeah. Wow. yeah. Don't quote me on that. Someone can run the tape back from my novice year. But. We'll have to check. Yeah, fact check. Um, I know that yeah, Jess yeah. Thonas, um, who was yeah a, a Tokyo 2020 Olympian in the eight um, and was just in the pair this past uh, World Cup too, Jess Thonas walked on at Washington at UW, and I'm pretty sure she went like seven minutes flat for her first 2K. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I have no idea what kind of shape she was in. I it probably didn't look great, but like, that's pretty fast. Her fresh, I think it was her freshman year too, to just go seven minutes. That's yeah, crazy. Your will gets you pretty far. I know, Mine was yeah. 820, I think. Ooh. I remember when I, at the Cincinnati Erg Sprints, 
and I felt like I was queen of the world. It's like, I'm amazing. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my, at my, in my high school team, like the varsity people got like unis and, and hats and I wanted the hat so badly. And like our, one of the coaches told me that if I went under eight minutes on my 2K when I was a novice that I could get a hat. And so I like, yeah, 759. Reward, Maddie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maddie, this is that yeah, sports yeah. psychology you're talking about. I know. It's because it's an initial reward. So it gets you it gets you there fast. But then you have to expect rewards all the time after you or Obviously, you did well. Intrinsic motivation. <laughs> but you got the hat? I got the hat. I'm imagining in Christy's house, she just has like a closet of hats. <laughs> She's just been chasing those hats ever since. Yeah, that's why I haven't gone under 630 because no one offered me a hat again. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. All right. We'll find a really good one and then we'll buy it for you. Something you really, really want. Um. So, Molly, when would you say was the first time that you thought about, like, rowing after college? I would say summer after my junior year of college. That was my first um, U23. No, sorry. Summer after sophomore year was my first U23 team. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) We hear it out. I'm glad that Very important. But no, I think like my first selection process, um, just the competition factor was so fun. It was it was probably that that really lit my fire. And then I made two other teams and it kind of solidified it for me as I got better and better too. But I was like, okay, this is a good trajectory and path for me. As a walk-on, you like don't really know what is up. And after I went to my first NCAAs after sophomore year, um, I kind of saw like, you know, what top people in the country, like, looked like. And I feel like, I was like, oh, we kind of look similar, but I could do this. And then when I went to my first under-23 camp, I got absolutely drop-kicked. Like, the first time, like, going out in, like, Cox Tours or whatever and AIDS and stuff with all these people. And it was just, like, super obvious that I was not, like, kind of where I wanted to be. So then I, like, went back to college. I was like super focused and I was like okay like I know what the level is I've got to like make a lot of improvements to get there um and then I actually was going to go to Orion after my senior year because I didn't think my erg was going to be good enough to like be accepted at the training center so I talked to Kat and he was super nice and awesome and um then I went to the under 23s after my senior year and kind of to my surprise um I made the eight and then the training center was like, Hey, you should come here. Um, so I feel like I, I kind of, I didn't have low expectations for myself, but I just knew that, you know, people who are going like six fifty seven or eight on their ergs aren't like, you know, making the senior team. So I was kind of like, eh, we'll see. But um, yeah, that was kind of my trajectory of like wanting to be on the national team, I guess. Yeah. I mean, I feel like that's, you weren't like waiting for, you know, like you were taking things into your own hands, which I feel like I, 
I feel like I didn't know that when I was like in college. It, I mean, now things are a bit different than you know when we than when we were in in college. But to me, it seemed like one of you know the only option was like the Princeton Training Center for a long time, and it didn't. You didn't know if there were other like avenues available. Um, and now I think things are obviously a bit different, but. Um, I feel like if you're, you know, if your erg isn't fast enough or if, you know, you didn't go to a certain level school or whatever, like, and you want to keep growing, it's kind of like, who do you call? What do you do? Where do you go? Um, so I feel like that's, that's cool that you were like, well, if I can't go there, I'll do that. You know? Um, yeah. Um, Kelsey, what about you? Was it that 500 meter piece? And you were like, I'm taking this all the way. Yeah, I sent an email. I didn't even no greeting. I just no, no title. I just said, Hey, I went to 18 20 years ago. Um, No, so I, um, I never did u 23s. Um, I rode in the varsity at Princeton all four years. But I found it to be summers, I just, I found the year to be very, you know, I took rowing very seriously. Um, and it just was, I found it to be quite exhausting. So every summer I would, you know, I would take off. I would, I had a job in one of the libraries on campus. I'd work, uh, I'd make some money, um, or I'd just like hang out at home or, um, but I, I just generally avoided rowing in the summers. Um, and then after graduating, I said to myself, I'm done with this whole rowing thing. I don't want to, I don't want to do it anymore. Um, and so then I worked in New York for a little bit. I worked, I lived in DC, worked in DC for a little bit. And um, I think it was kind of in DC where I was coaching a little bit and I was sort of like, okay, this, this, this is just fun. Like getting up early and, and um, you know, I, I think too, when you're on a coaching launch, you kind of can see things and think about things in a new way that you've never done before. Um, and it just kind of was like, oh, I, I, I love this. This is so interesting. I think I could do this. I think I could do it better than I did in college. Um, my sister was also, um, Aaron graduated from, uh, Princeton in 2016 and she went straight to the, the Princeton training center. Um, and she was just having the time of her life. She had all her friends from U23s. She was like, she got like, she was winning NSRs, getting second at NSRs. Um, and she just was having so much fun and she was so happy. And so I decided, all right, I'm going to reach out. And I sent an email to Tom and Laurel and I said, hi, um, my 2K is 6.55. My 6K is uh, just under 22 minutes. Can I come to the training center? And they said, sure. And um, so I came to the training center. And I, I honestly... Um, got injured a lot and floundered a lot for about four years. Um, but now I'm, I'm in a place where I feel like it was a, um, it, it helps to kind of contrast that to what's happening now um, with sort of the new, the new regime. Um, so yeah, that was kind of, that was kind of my story. Yeah. There's no one path. And I feel like from the, outside it looks like 
like other people's paths like are straightforward they're amazing and they just like have no like adversity you know uh, like that's not true for anyone everyone has you know even even if you have success when you're young like it doesn't mean that it was easy to get there so I think it's important that there's to share that there's like no one path and like you're never too old you're never you know, one statistic you have, like, doesn't make or break you. Um, yeah. 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 And maybe all it takes is also, you know, reaching out or just trying to communicate or, or you know, creating a, a you know, just, yeah, att- attempting to, you know, ask questions and stuff. Like, you know, emails are so easy to send. Um, you know, texts are so easy to send. And I think that, um, you know, when it comes to, like, should I or shouldn't I do something or, you know, am I good enough? I think it's, um, sometimes all it takes is just like reaching out to, to kind of learn. So it can be so hard to send that email though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then you're waiting and waiting <laughs> and refreshing, checking the, the junk. Yeah. Yeah. But now you guys are superstars and coming off like this amazing race that I watched with the Filippi uh men in Italy and they were so excited (laughs) um so yeah how was how was your race like was it what you guys wanted it to be you know I mean obviously the outcome was but like was the race you know some what you were proud of uh tailwind (laughs) sorry that yeah uh Uh, I feel like we had like the final was kind of like a without the context of the whole regatta like I think we came in like super excited and we're like we just have to execute what we know how to do and then our semi we just did not we're I think I don't know if it was we just didn't quite get into like the rhythm that we wanted to have so then coming into the final I think it was a little bit more like okay let's just relax be ourselves have fun and like we had already um beaten GB in the heat so we were kind of like that's you know the other front runner and so if we can just execute what we have already done and like feel like we can be ourselves we're gonna have success um so I think it was it was like the race when you like do a visualization you're like okay at this part we're gonna have a great start and then here we're gonna make a move and no one is gonna or like you know what I mean I feel like it was just like a as good as it can get and I think that it was amazing. And now it's like, okay, got to get back to the drawing board and like be sure we're training hard and like making improvements so that we can keep kind of racing like that. I would say. How do you come off? Like, you know, obviously if you went to a mid season regatta and it didn't go the way you wanted it to, like, then you have that, you know, Oh, I know what I need to work on that kind of thing. But if you have, a great race middle of the season how do you come back what kind of things are going through your mind of okay this is what we do next if if you know if you know you're achieving your goals in the middle of the season molly you and i spoke about this a little bit but they had this really nice at the end of the race and like the last 250 they had this really nice drone shot of kind of behind the boat and the first thing I thought about when I watched it was like, oh my God, I'm really diving into the catch, you know? So it's, I think it's, it's, 
it's just such a good thing to have footage. You know, you, you kind of, it was a very good race. It was a fantastic race, but it's like, okay, there are still things. There are still things like I, you know, could be a little bit less lungy into the catch. And, you know, I know Molly, you had like one or two things, right? <laughs> or, or did I think of those myself? Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, no, so, like, the first thing I thought was my hunchy body. <laughs> yeah, yeah. See, hunchy body, like, lunging. Get your body over better. Sit up, dear God. Yeah. 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 So there are small things where you're like, okay, like that was fantastic. But like, you know, it's still, there is still there's still time to be shaved off, which is, uh, which is nice. And time can be shaved off. Maybe if I sit up a little bit more in the last 250, we could have gone 0.5 seconds faster, you know. Um, so it's, it's nice to have that footage, to have that video. I think the vibe, like how we've been training too, is like, we have like super high expectations for like ourselves and each other. And I think it's just like approaching practice. It's like, we're not gonna be satisfied, I think with anything less than our best. So I think that it's an easy kind of stepping stone to keep up that mentality of like, always like leveling up and trying to be our best selves. Um, and at the end of the day, roaring is not like basketball where it's like, oh, if you just like outplay someone or like you really have to react to like what what like different strategies another team is using. It's like you're just in your lane and you go. So it's like I think our goal is to like just be ourselves and get out there and put down a really fast time. And you could do that with no boats and you could do that at the world championships. But at the end of the day, it's like all about how we go versus like how other people are going um so i think it is a self self-imposed continuation of improvement yeah um i also like i've really enjoyed training with a whole u.s team and that we can all compare ourselves to one another like because we compare ourselves to the gold medal standards of different boat classes so I think it's added a level of like, gotta be on, you know, you gotta be on like all the time because you want to beat the women's four or the lightweight double or, you know, whatever it is like on that percentage. And I, Andy LaRue. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I found that to be like really helpful in like extra motivation. Um, just, when you, not that we need extra motivation, but <laughs> when you do. Yeah, I do love, I love the, the EOC, uh, the high performance director. I love the EOC number crunching, you know, the, the comparisons, the percentages. I feel like it's very, you know, because you get some, you get a sense of confidence from that. Um, you know, our coach, Jesse, his thing is no hope. Like you shouldn't be hoping for a result. You should be like, you should feel like you've earned it. Like you've, you're set up for it. You know, don't hope for something, you know, take it. If you've done, if you can do it, take it. Um, and I think that that a, a big part of that is having those numbers or, or knowing how far are we off of the lightweight women's double usually in practice and, um, and being able to kind of use that to have confidence, uh, you know, or to say, okay, we're still, you know, this, this many percentage points below them. And we, you know, so we, we know that we can squeeze some more speed out of, out of this. To change gears a little bit, um, Kelsey, you were one of the original women in the boat, uh, creators, correct? 
who who actually started it? But. I think it was Regina Salmons. I think it was it was Regina. I see. I'm I'm as you understand, Christy and Molly, you too. I am thirty slash thirty one. I was thirty ish when this thing began. I am now thirty one. I don't really do. I'm not big into social media, so I think it was. I'm assuming it was pushed by Regina Salmons, who is not thirty, not in her thirties. Um, so, uh, Regina, I know, uh, Charlotte Buck too is very into it. Um, I think it was, we were all sitting around and talking about it. So I think it was sort of a collaborative idea. Um, but I am one of the people who has the log on login and, and I go on and, and put up pictures of my cats. So what was the catalyst to start it? Just like fun or wanting to share stuff from the Princeton Training Center? Because I feel like old Princeton Training Center was really anti-social media. And I don't know if that was just the outside or like... Yeah, I think it was like so much like secrecy and like we can't let anyone know what we're doing and that kind of stuff. And I think, you know, it's a new cycle and, you know, we want like Princeton is more like of a hub for everyone to come train and stuff. So... I want people to not feel like it's a place where you're not welcome and et cetera. And I think too, like we, you know, you spend a lot of time at with these people and what you're doing is pretty cool, but no one really knows about it because we're, it was secret and kind of closed doors. And I think the big, strong girls, um, Irish women's team Instagram kind of blew up. And they're doing like, you know, TikTok dances and stuff. And we're like, we could do that. Like, that'd be pretty cool. Like, it's kind of cool they're doing that. Um, yeah, we less chore- or choreography, but um, yeah. To have a little bit more of an open door, a window into our world. See, we're fun. <laughs> yeah, we're cool. What about Would You Rather Wednesday? Who's, who came up with that? That was probably me and Charlotte. Yeah, I, you know, I kind of think about what do I like when I'm scrolling on Instagram? And I kind of like it when people have like, oh, like, should I, (laughs) should I eat this egg or should I throw it over the fence? And I'm like, throw it over the fence. So um, I think that was probably, that was probably me and Charlotte. Um, And yeah, yeah. Would you rather start, start to the W Wednesday also start to the W. So it just fit. <laughs> um, and yeah. And it's, it's, it, um, we're kind of, some of them I'm starting to, you know, I'm coming up with the same ideas. You know, I know I did Frizzante versus still water twice accidentally. Um, so it's hard to kind of come up with original ones. Um, but it's, but it's been fun. I think people have been, People have found it fun. Sometimes it's polarizing. Um, I don't remember if, the, if I've done cats versus dogs yet. I think that one would break my heart, so I haven't done it. Um, but I've been a fan. I think it's fun. So I have some would you rather questions for you guys. And if I'm being completely honest, you might have asked some of them. Um, I don't know, because I am also over 30, which means we get a free pass anything social media um okay so they're really they cover traverses uh 
there's a, a different a, a bunch of different things here okay so just one that ins- i was inspired from uh italy w- would you rather eat pasta every day for the rest of your life or never eat pasta again how much pasta do you have to eat uh, like a meal Could i just eat a few noodles i'd say it's a part of a meal every day every day for sure every day yeah. Never. I uh, never. I, I don't like pasta that much. I don't know. There are other ways. There are other ways to ingest carbs. I would say I would just rather not. I mean, if it was like, yeah, if it was like a single ziti, if I just had to like eat a ziti, then that would be fine. But as a meal. Mm. Would you rather have to be on TikTok or be real? <laughs> a nightmare. <laughs> Uh, showing my age. I think be real. I guess be real. The stamina to cultivate TikToks all the time. Less work. I will. I have be real now, and I like. I, I fail like every day. It's. I'm not holding my phone enough. Like I don't know. But it's just to the group. Of, just to a group of friends that you select. Yes, it's just to the people that you're. Which is that part of is nice because like who cares if you're doing something stupid. Um, all right. This one a bit controversial based on recent, uh, current events, but would you rather go to space or go down to the bottom of the ocean? Ah, oh, <laughs> neither. <laughs> uh, space. I think space. Yeah. M- Molly, you're sticking with neither. <laughs> I have that fear of like, the unknown and like deep dark places so i guess i have to say space i feel like i know how kelsey feels about this next one but i'm I'm not sure would you rather give up air conditioning or give up the internet is there is there a third option (laughs) (laughs) honestly the internet i get what i've guessed (laughs) i give up the internet wow you could like read a book or something maddie yeah, we've done it before. We've lit, we grew up that way, man. Honestly, I, I guess, feel like, I feel the, like ho- the hotel in Erebo is kind of both. <laughs> no. Mm, I know. I think I'd give up AC. If I had to live in New Jersey, I, I think I'd give up the internet. But if I was somewhere more temperate, then... Um, would you rather live a thousand years in the past or a thousand years in the future? Future. I don't know if a thousand years... The future for humanity is a given. I know. If I could... Uh, would I be wealthy in the past? Actually, it, would, it wouldn't matter. A thousand years ago? Yeah. A thousand years ago, I would just... You'd get a paper cut and you'd die. Or you'd... Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, I could live off the land. And then it'd be like, no, I'd get strep throat and die. Well, here's something. If you lived a thousand years in the future, there'd probably be time travel. So you could just travel back to today. <laughs> a loophole. Yeah. You guys really can't decide. No, I mean... Go in the past. I'll go to the past. Yeah, if I have to pick. The earth is going to be a hot, burning ball of flames. It's true. We'd probably be on Mars in the future. Molly, what did you, what did you decide? I think, I, I think the future, if we're going to be on our colony on Mars. Um... <laughs> Um, okay, would you rather have a personal maid or a personal chef? Chef, easy. Give me the food. 
made. I think I would go with you, Molly. I feel like that would be so nice. <laughs> um, all right. Would you rather always be 30 minutes early or always be two minutes late? Early. For sure. I can't. Yeah, I think it's stressful early. to be late. Yeah. I agree. 30 minutes early. Yeah. I figured. I, I figured like ro- rowers, r- rowers would all have the same. Uh... All right. Um, only a few more here. This one's fun. Would you rather have to use used underwear or a used toothbrush? <laughs> oh my God. Used toothbrush. That is fun, Christy. Toothbrush. Yeah. Yeah. I can rinse I want, it off. I feel better about it. Yeah. I want to know the origins of this question, though. <laughs> <laughs> How did this pop into your head? <laughs> <laughs> Something I really wouldn't want to do. Um, well, I was, I originally with this one, I was thinking like, I hate when my electric toothbrush is dead and then I have to like caveman style brush with my electric toothbrush. And I was like trying to come up with something like that. And then I was like using someone else's toothbrush and that, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, Not going to lie. Sometimes when this is we're already into it now um <laughs> when i can't find my toothbrush and i'm just lazy i'll just use max's i use chris's toothbrush all the time and he gets so mad at me and i'm like but i don't know and you know you're cleaning it's it as same. you're using it like it's all it's like pretty yeah yeah hmm. yeah toothbrush because of these arguments you showed me um molly what did you say I said toothbrush for sure. I, you can rinse it off. It's fine. Um, all right. Fun rowing one. Uh, would you rather race at head of the Charles or Henley? What's the wind like? (laughs) I'll say pristine conditions for both. Yeah. Ooh. In any boat of your choice. I'm not going to lie. I loved racing the pair last year at Head of the Charles. I, I thought it was super, super fun. So um, I would say Head of the Charles. This is tough because they're both really fun. And I also feel like when you go to Head of the Charles, you see like all of everyone you've ever known in rowing ends up there. Mm-hmm. And Henley is great because it's like very posh and fancy and it's a fun party and stuff. But... I think being at head of the Charles with everyone you know is like really awesome and fun. So if I had to like choose one to miss, I feel like I would choose to go to head of the Charles. You know? If I could only go to one. That is tough. I love Henley and I love head of the Charles. I guess. I think I would want to go to Henley because it's just like drinking champagne on the shore after you're done racing. There's nothing better than that. Jeering on people who are racing, sometimes not really paying attention, but mostly the racing is only 2,000, a little over 2,000 meters. And that's ideal. (laughs) They're both so fun. 
That was a hard one. I don't know what I would have said. Um, all right. Would you rather live in an airport or live in an amusement park? Wow, that's a real <laughs> tough one. These are good, Christy. These are very good. Thank you. I'm going to have to hire you for consulting <laughs> on with your other one. So. It took me a long time to come up with these. So I have a lot of respect for you guys uh, doing this every week. I feel like there are a lot of screaming people at amusement parks. And just for that reason, I would go airport. Food is expensive both places. I don't know. <laughs> But the traffic, the traffic. You have to go somewhere. You don't have to go to the airport. You're already there. (laughs) Yeah. But like, I don't know, just the traffic and the anxiety, like at least the atmosphere of the amusement park is like, you know, it's got like a light, chill vibe. Yeah. I think, I think an amusement park. I would think the airport, there's just plenty of places to sleep. You have your choice. Well, there's one thing that's for certain. If Claire Collins were here, Claire Collins would say. <laughs> not the park. airport. Claire yeah. Collins is not a fan of airports. Uh, I don't know. I, I guess you could also choose what airport you wanted to live in. So you could choose like a good one. Yeah. Or a really small one. It's quiet. Yeah. Yeah. On a Greek island, maybe. An airport on a Greek island. No security. All right. Uh, just a few more. Would you constantly? Would you rather constantly have pit stains or constantly have a wedgie? <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I already, I already wow, constantly have pit stains. <laughs> yeah. It's already a constant in my life, so I just choose that. Wedge, you would just be uncomfortable. Yeah, I think pit stains. I feel like I hate, like, I'll wear looser shirts that I don't have my shirt touching my armpits because I, I just don't, it's so uncomfortable to me. So I, controversial, but I might go wedge. Oh, my God. <laughs> She's crazy. Yeah, I, um. that's kind of wild. All right, this one's a bit like deep. Would you rather find your soulmate or find your calling? You can't do both. I would pick. (laughs) What'd you say? You can't do both. (laughs) I mean, I hope that in life you get both, but for the for the question, um, I would say that. I feel like rowing has a lot of a lot of ways has been our calling in some ways. The ne- the t- next toughest part is what is the calling after this one when you're done rowing. So I would probably I would probably pick calling to be honest. I I do love my boyfriend very much, but and you know, hopefully he's my soulmate. I'm I'm telling him you, <laughs> I'm telling him you said that. <laughs> I mean, it's not a podcast. So. <laughs> yeah, he can listen. I think you have to find happiness within before you can like best like serve other people. So I would say calling. I think this is very person by person. I think um, you know certain people can just like work 
and they don't they like don't feel like they need to prioritize their love life or whatever. I think that if I think soulmate is the answer because once for me personally, I feel like once you have that, your calling can be anything. You can be happy anywhere. Um, so I would say soulmate. I'll let you know when I find him. <laughs> no, it's Max. It's Max. It's Max. It's Max. Hi, Max. Hi, Max. Um, oh my gosh. Yeah, that was a hard one. I like thought about that after I like laid down in bed after I wrote these. <laughs> Did you say your answer? I also, I feel like if you don't have someone to share your life with, then like what, like what's the point? Like I feel like, I feel like I thought about this a lot or I think, you know, in like choosing to row another quad, like if I just ostracized every person in my life and had nobody like, and I won a gold medal, like would it be worth it? For me, I don't think so. But that's not true for everybody, you know? Like, <laughs> I think we're really lucky that we can have both. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Having a life, that is. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's more to life than going backwards in a little boat. Yeah. But that doesn't mean you don't want the boat to go really fast. <laughs> um, cool. Well, that was my last one. Um, I hope that they were fun. Uh, but yeah, so everyone should follow you guys. Follow Women in the Boat on Instagram and uh, play Would You Rather Wednesday and see all of the other amazing content that you have. Um, that video of you guys like... I don't even know for podium day or whatever was hilarious. I was like, dying. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, is there anything else you guys want to say to the people before we close it up? Any words of wisdom for the youth or the adults? Wisdom. <laughs> wisdom. Ooh. Um, Have fun. I don't know. Yeah. I That's think, like, like yeah. literally people are too serious these days with sports. And I think for me, everyone's like, oh, I really want to win. I really want to win. But yeah, I mean, if, like we said, if your relationships aren't there, if you're ostracizing people, if you're not enjoying what you're doing every day, and then why do it? You know, like why, why do it? That's how I feel. Have fun. Yeah. I feel like sometimes you have to remember, like, at the end of the day, it's just rowing, you know? Like, you, it's so easy to get, like, super-duper worked up, and I do work myself up, and I do have to remind myself, you know, life goes on, and um, it's more fun if you enjoy it. And so sometimes you have to do what you have to to enjoy it and not just make it all work and no play. Yeah, I agree with that. I think um... – one of the things that UFC likes to say is like, you know, happy rowers go fast. And I think it's, I think that works for, you know, for life. Like if you're happy, you, you do well, if you're happy, you are successful. And, um, I'm not always happy, but I think that it's good to kind of strive to be, to just like enjoy yourself. So. 
Very well said. You guys are podcast naturals. Yeah. <laughs> Do you cut any of this? Good leader. Or? Yes. Yeah, it'll be <laughs> okay. it'll be edited. Don't worry. <laughs> okay. All right. Yeah. Um, yeah. No. Thank you guys so much. I'm really grateful uh, that you come on, and yeah, I feel like it was fun. I feel like we learned yeah, something. Thanks for having a rowing podcast. It's good for the sport, you know. Now it is time for Ask Christy Anything. And um, Chris actually asked this question. So he said to me, when you go to practice in the morning, what is it that you are looking forward to the most? And it's a hard question. I had to think about it for a while, actually. Um, But I realized that I have this moment and it doesn't happen every day, but it usually does. And usually I start practice and I'm feeling a little tired and my body hurts a little bit. And I'm like, oh my gosh, we're going to be out here for an hour and a half, two hours. Like, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And, and then we start and I'm going and it, you know, you're kind of working your way up and warming up and stuff. And then we get into the meet of practice and it's happening. And then at some point I usually realize like my mind is just totally calm and I'm just totally engrossed in what I'm doing and I'm taking really good strokes and I am not counting down the minutes till it ends. I'm not wondering how many meters I have left. I'm just like really present in what I'm doing. And that moment is like the best. I love that time where I'm just out there really enjoying what I'm doing, really trying to get better, pushing myself. It doesn't mean that I'm slacking off. It's just like, I don't know, like a calmness in my mind. And I love that during practice, I don't have to do anything except practice. I love that when I'm out on the water, like the rest of the world just kind of disappears and all I have to do is focus on my little boat and my little oars and nothing else, no other problems or stresses or insecurities or anything can touch me. Like I'm just totally present in what I'm doing. And that is just a feeling you don't get that often in today's life. Normally we have our cell phones and there's a million things going on and when I'm off the water, it's like, I have to do this and I have to do this and I only have this much time. But when I'm on the water, like, I don't know, it just, everything else kind of drowns out and I really, really like that. So I think that's what keeps me coming back. And, and of course, you know, the times when you achieve things that you didn't think you could, which happen probably more in practice than in races, like you're going a speed you haven't gone before, or, you know, doing something you haven't done. And, And those little breakthroughs, especially in a sport like rowing where we don't race that much, they usually happen in practice. So you just got to keep coming back, keep showing up. To close the show this week, we have the quote of the week, my new favorite segment. And I was watching um, Full Swing on Netflix. And I think that's what it's called. um, The golf uh, docuseries. And Tony Finau um, said, a winner is just a loser who never gave up. I just really like that, Tony. So I don't know you, but I really like your quote. 
Okay, so Sincerely Future You is a super cool podcast, also on the Bright Sided Network, hosted by Jessica McKinley. And Jessica is a certified life and business coach, which is amazing um, and just super cool. And in her podcast and in life, she helps other women to reverse engineer their lives and get the most out of themselves in life and business. And I just think that's really cool. And like me, Jessica's in the business of inspiring others to not only have big goals, but to achieve them. So if you like this podcast, you'll probably like her podcast because it's kind of the same thing, just with different uh, inspirations. Um, A Fiber Life is an awesome podcast hosted by Lisa Mitchell. A few years ago, Lisa and her husband Greg quit their stressful corporate jobs, sold their suburban house, and moved to a farm on an island in the Pacific Northwest, which is a lot on its own. But then they bought a herd of guanacos, which are kind of like alpacas, but I think a little bit more intense, um, I've learned from the podcast. And they raised the guanacos on their farm for their fiber. So Lisa and Greg didn't know anything about farming or raising guanacos or anything when they did this. They just did it. And that's insane and super cool. So on their podcast, they share stories about what's happening on their farm, but they relate it all back to life. And it's just, it's a really fun story. They're great. Lisa is super inspiring and their podcast is fun and sometimes silly, but always really heartfelt. And it's absolutely worth a listen. So I have a confession. I love coffee and I drink a lot of it, like multiple cups every day. And all that caffeine is definitely not good for me. And that's why I'm super excited about this new product from We Are Rasa. So We Are Rasa makes a coffee alternative that's delicious and packed with adaptogens. They have different blends that are proven to decrease stress, balance mood, support nervous system health, promote better sleep, and sustain nourishing energy. I mean, that all sounds pretty good to me. Um, So I'm going to check it out, see what happens, report back. And if you want to do the same, you can visit wearerasa.com and use and use code BEBRIGHT at checkout for a percentage off. So I'm going to try it, you try it, and we'll report back. All right, I think that is it. I'd love to hear from you. So send us a topic suggestion, or if you'd like to submit a question for our Ask Christy Anything segment, head to our website, theother3years.com.